This is Catalog and Cocktails. Presented by Data.World. Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome. It's time once again for Catalog and Cocktails presented by Data.World. It's your honest, no BS, non-salesy conversation about enterprise data management with tasty beverages in hand. I'm Tim Gasper, a longtime data nerd, product guy, customer guy at Data.World, joined by Juan. Hey, Juan. Hey, everybody. I'm Juan Cicada, principal scientist of Data.World. And as always, it's Wednesday, and it's actually 5 o'clock where I am right now, because usually it's 4 in Austin. Well, it's still 4 in Austin. It's 5, but I'm in Boston right now. And I am super, super excited because our guest today, who's sitting here physically next to me, is Veronica Durgan, who's the VP of Data at Saks, somebody who's extremely vocal on LinkedIn, who has been already on so many podcasts. I'm like, I, we need to have you on, on the show. And we just met three minutes ago yeah. a person cheers and it is five <laughs> o'clock here so we can officially drink <laughs> so uh let's kick it off what are we drinking what are we toasting for veronica what, are, what are we drinking i'm gonna be a little silly and funny uh juan is as tall in real life as he is on zoom so i'll, I'll drink to that uh you know the world of zoom virtual we're always surprised how tall or short people are so <laughs> I'll, I'll drink to that and we're having a, we're both having the same, a same good old-fashioned good old-fashioned how about you, Tim? We miss you not being here. This would have been awesome. I miss you together. too. I wish I could be there. Unfortunately, I'm not feeling well today, but I'm glad that uh, that y'all were able to meet up and be in person. I, I'm drinking a cocktail that I made up uh, because I've got this uh, uh, this liqueur called Punty Mess. Uh, it's kind of like a bitter uh, a vermouth, uh, and I don't know what to use it in, so I'm inventing cocktails to, to have it. So Punty Mess with drambuie and soda. I call it a punchy cola. All right. Hopefully you're still sitting up straight <laughs> by the end of this podcast. We'll <laughs> you're ready for the second one afterwards. Let's see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Hopefully it's kind of bitter, but it tastes good. Pretty low proof, which is good. So cheers. 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 cheers All cheers. right. So we got our question of the day, our warm-up question. So today is all about guiding the next generation of data leaders. What class do you wish you could have taken in school to guide you in some way? Oh, um, psychology of leadership. I am fascinated by psychology. I think we're all focusing on tech. Tech is logical and easy to understand. Humans are not. Uh, and being an effective leader, you truly have to understand who you're working with and how to best work with them. I really, really, it's like on my list to hopefully find some courses to take and hopefully understand how humans work. <laughs> That's uh, a great answer. Okay, I yeah. like we don't learn enough how people work when we're in school, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, psychology was on my list. The other one I had on my list was personal finance. I think that would have been very helpful. Yeah, and I, for the psychology is one I think I'm lucky I'm married to a psychologist and she's a behavior analyst. So I've, I've been learning a so, lot of that. Or you can marry one. So you can either take a class or marry That's a That's what it's like. I got that a little bit covered. Gotta, yeah. uh, for me, it's actually taking statistics, but I really didn't pay that much of attention to statistics. Mm -hmm. I wish I really okay, but I wish I should have taken advantage of that more. And the other one is history. I mean, okay. I've taken history, but I know when you're young, you're like, I don't pay attention to that. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I should have really. Is it for taken. fun, like history, or is do you find practical kind of lessons from it? So both, if depending on the type of history, you can learn lessons from it. But I also, I think it's about the critical thinking about learning what happened in, from, from yeah, that history. Yeah. And, and even just like thinking about how you learn from the past and then apply that True. to where you are today. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the important thing. Yeah. Those again, right? We keep, I mean, we keep reinventing the wheel. We talk about reinventing the wheels. And if you don't know your, the past, you're doomed to repeat it. So I think it's all about history. So, so true. 
Yeah, I remember I didn't like history either. It was all about memorizing dates. Yeah. And they had no meaning. Exactly. But now when you look back, it's it's not memorizing dates. It's the, it's the events and the outcomes. And I would actually argue that maybe the way it was taught, it was not the best. Probably. Well, anyways, that's for a different topic. But actually, we're <laughs> going to talk a little bit about kind of education stuff. So let's kick it off with our discussion today. So honest, no BS. What are you excited and what are you annoyed about the next generation of data leaders? Ooh, um... Well, I'm just excited, you know, my my oldest son is in college and just what he, I, I honestly, I just want to go back to college now. Everything he's describing, everything he's learning, I'm like, oh my God, I, I wish, can I take a class instead of you? Uh, super excited, excited of things that are available to kids, to younger generations now. Uh, internet, I'm excited. I'm excited that there's so much content available. I remember back in the day, I'm going to date myself a little bit. We had to, we had a book with documentation and then like you had to read through it. And if you couldn't figure it out, you had to like pick up an actual landline and call support. So excited that we don't have to do that. That information is readily available to us. Annoyed about information readily available to us also because the quality of that information is oftentimes questionable. So I'm kind of excited and annoyed about the same thing. Mm. So, so is, they, every, is, is everybody an expert now because they have the internet at their fingertips? Yes, yes, yes. And I'm sad to say that I pulled it off on my doctor too. I, I said, I have to do some research about something and he was very, <laughs> but uh, you know, knowledge is power. So we, I mean, we catch ourselves doing that mm -hmm. in, 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 oh, absolutely. In, in so many different spaces over that. But I think one, one of the things that I'd love to kind of go in and let's, this is what we want to call the BS on things is how are you, how are you identifying the things that you should not, you should be calling BS on, right? right. Or like, what, what are the techniques and, and actually what are the, what are actual examples that you've been reading? Like, I can't believe somebody wrote that because that is wrong. And whoever's following this is making, is believing this is the right thing to do. That is wrong. It's, I think everybody feels like they're an expert now, right? Like, oh, I can Google it. I can look it up and I'm an expert. The reality is, well, I am naturally very skeptical. So I, for, for me to trust something, I have to understand it. Not truly, fully, completely know, but understand it enough where it starts making sense in my head. So anything new that comes with me, if I read something, I'm very, very skeptical. So I keep researching on that specific topic. And what I've seen very recently is, you know, um, I absolutely, I absolutely hate, and I hope I don't offend you, the influencer. Oh, you're an influencer. I'm not, right? Like everybody's an influencer now because they can put, you know, two paragraphs together that are easy to read. No, you're not. Like I was reading an article recently that was just blatantly wrong. And it was suggesting something that was very dangerous. Luckily, what it was suggesting wasn't possible. So somebody who wrote it didn't actually test it. So they were saying, do this, you can't actually do it. And then the fact that they were suggesting to do it was, I, I, I was quite shocked, but this is what happens. People just, you know, write. And it was on kind of like a trustworthy website too. Nobody's validating, you know, like research, right? Like you, you, you have PhD, like you, somebody's reading, rereading, editing, commenting, ripping you to shreds uh, before you publish something. It doesn't happen in the world of the internet. That's, this is tough, right? Because, you know, how, you know, you, you want, you see people, they have lots of followers, right? Or they get lots of comments, um, you know, they're posting things that seem very insightful. 
um, you want to believe it, right? You want to trust it. And, uh, you know, we, we live in a time right now where trust is really hard. Or, or you, you see somebody else you trust liking something or commenting then them oh that then that that must be true yeah. right so i think this is the, social validation exactly yeah. social validation yeah. so social exactly that's exactly it and and i kind of like I, I go back and forth right like i want to encourage for newcomers to share their thoughts right because that's how i learn you know i i talk about it and you say but wait have you thought about this and i'm like oh no i haven't because i don't know everything is as a matter of fact, the more I learn, the less I know. But I really want to learn everything. I want to know about everything. So I want to encourage people to be comfortable speaking and, and writing. But at the same time, how do we help others understand that this isn't necessarily correct? And I think my best thing is j just always be skeptical. So research. I, I would love to let's dive into some things that may be touchy. So um, what are the what are the t data topics that you're seeing that is is people are talking about in angle a and they're completely ignoring angle b or, or a lot of what, what are the things that are are, are are on top of mind right now so i would say three things uh whenever a platform says that it, it'll solve all your problems just buy a tool it'll solve all your problems and it's not there is there's anything wrong with the tool and i'll give you an example uh you buy a car you give it to your 10 year old do you think a 10 year old can drive a car no so you can't say, oh, a 10-year-old can get around by just giving them a car. No, they're not ready for it. So tools kind of like that. No, you have to know how to use it. Obviously, data modeling. I talk about data modeling a ton. Just, you know, I've gone through data model instead. When you use data modeling, just dump everything. I don't want it. It's hard. I don't understand it. Uh, oh, now, forgive me. I'm going to pick on DBT for a second. DBT model is a data model. No, it's not. Um, so just like using that, oh, there's also data modeling in machine learning, right? Data science. Yeah. Uh, so that that's another area that's just gone like crazy back and forth circles up and down. Um, and then the third area is AI. Mythical, magical, ooh, is going to solve all the problems. Uh, this is like, it's like the cloud, right? We're going to go to the cloud. Well, like, well, the cloud is a computer somewhere. <laughs> like, there's nothing magical about it. But I think to a lot of people, AI is this next mythical, magical thing that'll solve all the problems when the reality is whatever you put into it, that's what you get out of it. And I, one of the things that could go connecting to the influencers is, is are the influencers more kind of on the tool sides that you're seeing the people? Or is it on particular AI data modeling? Or because and I, I bring this up because you, we want people to really, again, how can we make them be skeptical? Not make them, but how, how can we like incentivize people to be skeptical? It's like you're seeing this thing, mm -hmm. connect the dots. Like that person is probably working here or does work at this. There's a, there's an incentive of why that person is actually pushing that message. And I think that's important to understand. Um, that's interesting. That's the psychology part of it. What is driving somebody to be out there? A lot of people just, they, they feel it's their way to move, right? To, to, uh, get more gigs to get a new job to, to others they're simply trying to share their experience and, and there's nothing wrong with that. no there's, there's nothing that, that's absolutely. important i want to go say like yeah. there's nothing wrong with that it's just like understand their motivations because yeah. people have biases oh 100 percent and, and, just... and I, that's okay uh you know like i'm a fan of snowflake and i i'm a fan of data vault i'll be talking about it but i'm also i'm not in in it to sell i'm just simply i'm here to educate and also learn 
right? You know, I'm like, oh, Snowflake is amazing, blah. Somebody comes back and says, well, you know what? Oracle has actually been doing this same thing that Snowflake just came with, came up with for the past 20 years. Uh, I love those conversations, right? Like it kind of like opens my eyes to other things. So, but to answer your question, I've seen it everywhere. You know, people love tools, people love patterns, people push their ways of doing stuff. Um, gonna go again into psychology. I think people inherently are very competitive and love to be right and win. So I see a lot of these discussions are kind of fights and it's not necessarily like, it's not even fundamentally to just collectively be better, but to win. And yeah. it, I always find it very fascinating. And, and when I say, you know, like, I, I don't, I, I'm not here to change your opinion. That's okay. And, and by the way, there are more than one ways, one way to do stuff. And I'm totally fine. Don't change your opinion. That's okay. I'm just sharing my experience and people yeah. get shocked. I think that's a, a big challenge that we have these days is that um, there's always such a, a, a competitiveness to especially conversations about like a right way to do things, right? And and as we all know, being in the data space, right, there's some religions, there are some factions, right? Um, and, you know, how do we deal with that, right? Do we all need to learn to be better citizens that, you know, on one hand, you know, we all have to be a little more humble and willing to hear other people's opinions. And on the other hand, you know, uh, be willing to call out somebody and, and and not say and say, hey, you know, I see you saying this, but you know, what about this situation? I don't see how that applies. You know, is it kind of both of these things? And you, you great, great comments. So be humble and always learn. Hmm. Sometimes and I and I've seen happen to me many times. I might be sure that I know and I'll make a comment, but the reality is maybe this was true five years ago. It's no longer true. Things change. So learn, be humble, always ask questions. I think oftentimes somebody comes in, I'm an expert, but the reality, like maybe they are in their specific little area. The world is complex. There's a lot of different things. Uh, the other side, I often see people who are in consulting, their view of the world is different from people who actually work full time on teams day in and out. It's a completely different ball game. It's, it's different how you approach things. You're there for long haul. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm going to call out myself here. It's like, I work for a vendor and I have experience. I have past experience, uh, previous company stuff, but like right now, the last four years, I've been at a vendor. My experience is from a vendor perspective implementing, which is different from somebody who's actually on, on the, right. on the buyer side implementing thing, which is different from the consulting side. Does it mean that what I, and, and I catch myself as like, Oh, I kind of, pushing, this is how we should go do this. And a lot of it is I postulate about things and I'm seeing things, but this is from my perspective, right. which I, people should take that from with the grain of salt. Obviously I have a bias because I work for a vendor, but I think this is also, again, goes back to like understanding who are the people who's actually talking, what are their backgrounds? Where do they work for? What experience do they have? Where are you coming from? Right? Like uh, you, you're like as a vendor, right? You come in, we bought a tool. So money's there. I'm, I'm sitting, I don't have a budget, right? That's a different perspective, different ways I'll have to solve the same problem. Then like there's all these different sides. And then the other thing that I often see, somebody worked for one company and they successfully implemented something and they come out and say, this is the way to do it. I've worked for very different companies. I worked for software companies, financial, you know, right now I work for retail e-commerce. 
different cultures, different people's skill sets, completely different approaches and implementations. You can't just come on and say, well, I worked for company ABC, we successfully did this, and this is how everybody should be doing it. It's not how it works. You know, again, world is very complex. We're all different. The, 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 what are the, on this, I think talking about experiences was something we were chatting before was what does, what do we mean by experience, right? So their experiences, uh, for, for consulting, I've helped other people, let them go do it, but I haven't really rolled up my sleeves right. or I have rolled up my sleeves in the same place for 10 plus years, or I've rolled up my sleeves in five places for two years each. Right. So I, I mean, I think this is one of the things that we've talked about of mm -hmm. understand what experience means. Right. And I think it's like completely different. You know, you you helped 50 different customers implement something. I've been on the side where I had to support what you've implemented. Completely different experiences, right? And as far as like years of experience, somebody doing the same thing for a very long time, uh, say for 15 years, is it the same as somebody also working for 15 years in different company, different team sizes, different maturity of these companies? different experiences again like know where the person's coming from and be skeptical but also be humble like i even though when and i kind of try to like as as i'm in my teams to get to get that like psychological safety with the team where i actually i absolutely want to hear what everybody has to say even you know it doesn't matter that you're an experience sometimes somebody will ask a question then it will lead somebody else to think of something great so you might be like, I, I'll give you an example, which is kind of like anti-pattern, but I'm, sometimes I learn from my own mistakes. My very first migration to the cloud. So I was a database administrator and I was specializing in performance tuning. I, can, I could tune that SQL server to like, it was purring. <laughs> so when they're like, oh, we're moving to the cloud because data center, we can't, I'm like, no, I can tune that server. It's it just fine. I did not want to go to the cloud. like. You know, job security, I, I was worried. You it's, know. it's cool to go. I, I love going into an explain plan and seeing this and having it like, right. it's a fun thing. You're like, oh, they're taking this away from me. Yeah. Like, and I was like, and, and I'm like, why? It works just fine. Like, I, I am comfortable. I can make it. And, and now, mind you, there's only like, how many people do you know who can like really fine tune something? Not many. So it was like, wasn't was that like, becoming a like, should, should I, should I be doing this? Uh, well, that's beside the point. So we were like, okay, you know, leadership comes in, moving to the cloud, you know, AWS team came in, this is what you're doing. We're like, no, we were like, okay, let's test it out. So we spent quite a few months, tested things out in and out. Like we actually wanted to show that this doesn't work. So the way we went in was like, no, let's show that we don't need to do it. But what we, what came out is like, what AWS suggests is not how we want to do it. We want to do it in a different way and it's incredible it's it's the options of the cloud and we're like we went to much faster servers cheaper high availability we set things up in like in an incredible way and i was like wow i want to learn i want to know more so my mentality going in was like let's make this fail but I came out of it. I'm like, I want nothing to do with data centers anymore. <laughs> Please uh, take me to the cloud. So in the, to me, to me, that was learning. That's interesting to hear that story where you were trying to uh, honestly prove a different point. And, and even the vendor was recommending a certain approach. 
But then when you went in with an open mind, learning, asking questions, coming up with ideas, you were able to actually figure out a better idea, a better approach that was tuned to what your specific use case was. Exactly. Precisely. And it's like, be humble and be learning. Always be learning. I think we all know that in data, like how things are changing. It's it's a place where if you stop learning, then you'll be left behind. Mm-hmm. I think another uh, experience thing that we hear a lot about, right, is, well, what if you came from Facebook or you came from Netflix or you came from LinkedIn or you came from, right? And it's like, oh, we did Kafka at massive web scale or whatever, right? So I know, I know how streaming works. I know how databases work, right? What do you think about that kind of experience and how it applies when it applies? I, um, I'll, I'll, please don't judge my uh, Instagram feed. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I had a video, Cardi B was on J- Jimmy Kimmel and uh, she was saying how she got a Lamborghini truck and he's like, but you don't drive. She's like, that's okay, I take pictures with it. Um, Kafka streaming, what Facebook does, what Netflix does, is that Lamborghini truck that we're trying to uh, bring to our garages to take pictures with them. This is the best, one of the best analogies I've heard. We need to put this on a t-shirt. Kafka is like the Lamborghini truck that you put in your garage so you can't drive, but you take pictures with it. But that's exactly it. Do you really need this massive, expensive, powerful thing for the problem that you don't have or the tool that you don't know how to use. And I think that's, we've had this, but because these companies that we look up to, um, we want to copy them. Okay, I'm going to take a quick turn here. (laughs) Uh, Kafka streaming, is this something people really need to start paying attention to or is this just too much of... Uh, okay, so I think it's, uh, we we often joke in my team is like, when you give a mouse a cookie. So I, I think micro-batching batching is just fine for majority of the companies. But as, as people get more educated in data, how to use data, the thirst to get kind of quicker data is there. So I think streaming is coming and, and people are interested in this like practically real-time analytics. So I do see a play. I don't think everybody needs to do it still and we have some time to go before it happens. But I am seeing this like oh, well, I don't want data every hour. Give it to me more often. Like, give it to me more frequently. I want to be able to make decisions. I want to embed this into applications, right? I want that decision-making uh, kind of, like, quicker. <laughs> okay, this is, but, a, um, this, is a, this is a perfect laugh for parenthesis. I, I appreciate this. We're going to put that on the T-shirt. We, <laughs> we have so many T-shirts that we're going to go do. We're really going to do this one day. Um, but so you... Bringing up the Facebook and bringing up the experience, and the, I, I think I, I do. I want the audience to take some ha, have some clear takeaways of identifying the motivations or the biases people come from. So I think one of experiences like, oh, I come from a big yeah. tech, right? So like you're saying all these things, but you realize that their background is big tech. Well, you know where they're coming from. Then there is one where where people have been working at a place for 10, 15 years, right? They have that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, they have other experience where they've been working, uh, they have a, a lot of diversity in smaller amount of time. What, what other ones would you add there and how would you correct, characterize and how do you, how do you manage all this? Oh, I, I honestly want to have like one of each on my team uh, just to bring these different perspectives. Somebody who's been with the same company, same team, 
know what it takes to build something that's easy to maintain. Mm. Right. They, they, they've been there. They know things break and they know, hopefully they, they aren't just like, I don't care, but they know how to fix it, that it doesn't break anymore. And I think people who come out of these, like, oh, I've been here for a year, there for a year, don't have that. So I see it a lot. P people build, 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 like as engineers, we love to build. We don't think about like operational and support. Like, is, is this actually going to live and how easy it is to support? Um, people that have these different experiences, different companies bring just, just they see a lot of things, right? Like, how does this team, this specific business solve this problem? People who come out of big companies, to me, honestly, I think because there's so many people and a lot of problems have already been solved, they bring kind of like, I don't know how to phrase it. Um, would you go, I'm going to go with the car analogy again. Would you go from racing, um, say, I don't know, a Ferrari to driving a tricycle? Only like, you don't know how, you don't know how to step back. Like they, they've had, you know, Facebook, Netflix, they have hard problems to solve. They've been around for a while. They solved it. The engineers who truly built it from scratch, like are not, there I, anymore. I, are not there anymore. So people who use the tools and that's cool. They hopefully know what a good tool looks like, but they don't actually have experience growing something from the ground up. So it, it's kind of like, it depends. So it's, it's interesting. Experience. So the, 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 the big tech experience are, are folks who know how to use the big tools. Yeah. What, are they like the 1%? Probably. And I mean, it's a great for resume, but I'm, I'm not, honestly, I'm not impressed. Sorry. For my, <laughs> my this is the honest, no BS yeah. podcast. So this I, is I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but I, I will. Uh, I've worked with some brilliant people from like smaller companies, self-employed, and I've seen some not particularly exciting people from big, you know, big tech. Again, my experience, my biased little side of the world experience. Yeah, uh, I think I think that's uh, an honest conversation, right? That like, I mean, flip it on its head on like education, right? Like, uh, you, okay, you went to Harvard or something like that. Like, does that mean does that mean that you're instantly going to be the right fit for my for my organization for my use case? That it may not be so, right? So, there are other factors. Hundred percent, yeah. Um, don't get impressed with you know big college names, I, I am um, appreciative of somebody with education, 100%. You put the work in and, and you hear stories. Um, people like PhDs are, I'm like, you, you are just, there's dedication right there. PhD is not, I mean, it's like, you could be practical and be like, I'm done with my master's, I'm going to go work and make money. Or you can be actually determined to accomplish something. So it's, it's to me like, I couldn't do it. I was too lazy. I kind of like I'm getting master's degree. I'm done. Um, but so I really appreciate it. And, and also, I, I love when people come with, you know, my undergrad is in biology, right? I, I, I was planning to become a doctor. Didn't happen. Um, people who come with different kind of like undergrads turning into something different and, and going with it, right? And then continuously learning to learn more about the area that they're in also love that and, and love kind of like different perspective. So let's let's dig a little bit more into So we talked about experience. Let's talk a little bit more about education. We're start, starting to go in that direction a little bit. You know, what what is the kind of, you know, education profile that you look 
for, right? Like, do you do you value computer science? Do you value, um, you know, what do you think about boot camps, for example, data boot camps and that sort of thing? <laughs> so to me, and like maybe because that's a bachelor's degree is a must, mm -hmm. I don't particularly care in what. Mm -hmm. I think learning learning in college and broadening your horizon with different classes makes you just a better person in general. Um, you can take a boot camp on top of that. When, when I entered you know, the workforce in tech, it, it, like if, if you want a program, we'll take you because there was not enough people. Now it's competition. So there's a lot of you know strong programs across just about every college. So I think without a degree now, it's a lot harder. Sure, I've seen, I know maybe two people who succeeded without a degree out of thousands of people that I know. So it's, it's kind of like to give you perspective. Yes, you can succeed without a degree, but it's very, very hard. Um, Sorry, this is an honest take here. And this is, in, 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 let's like acknowledge that it is in a way today a little mm -hmm. bit more elitist, but let's let, because not everybody probably can go to a, go get a, a four-year education. Oh my. But, but let's talk about that. Well, yeah. I mean, everybody can go get it for, for, for your education. Okay. And, and I'll tell you why. Okay. So uh, kind of, I don't usually talk about it. So I immigrated to this country when I was 17. Uh, we came immigrants with just a bag of clothes each. I have a bachelor's degree. I have a master's degree. There are state colleges. I took out loans. I invested in myself. I worked. I went to college. I, I will talk about languages a little bit. I, um, I, I still have PTSD from taking animal biology because not only did I have to learn names in English, I also then had to learn them in Latin. So I was like, if I translate from Latin to English, I still had no idea what that was. And then I had to translate it into Russian. That's where I'm from. So I, I had a hard time. It was like double learning, like learning two languages at the same time. But everybody can absolutely do it. Uh, I think you just, just have to persevere. Well, this is an interesting topic here. This is actually fascinating that we're talking about education. This is the data the podcast, but this is something we don't talk about, which I'm really mm -hmm. cool that we're glad that we're talking about it. Um, when it comes to education, a lot of, I think a lot of people are actually saying that, why do I want to invest four years and get loans and all that stuff? Because I could just go take a boot camp and then I get enough skills that will then make get a job where I could make enough money where it's the same thing as I would have gotten a four-year degree. Well, I, I mean, you are a person with so much experience that you have. You lead data teams. You, are, you hire people like what is your honest OPS kind I, of a, I will, I assessment mean, here? I'll be completely honest with you. Um, I mean, I do believe to helping people reskill, but when I have 200 resumes in front of me, your bootcamp is not going to stand out against a bachelor's degree. I, I'm just like, when I have multiple people, you know, I, I, I will try. I, I actually, I truly respect professionals, right? Somebody who spent X number of years doing something and now they're trying to reskill. Uh, I will try to help you, but again, it's competition at this point. And, and, and for me personally, as you can clearly see, education is very important. I think it makes us all just better humans. Yeah, I, I, I'm 100% I'm with you, but I will acknowledge again my bias that I, have, I come from a very elite I have a bachelor's. I have a PhD. My family has a PhD. My wife has a been PhD. Like so, cool growing so, up. so, 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 yeah. I, I acknowledge that this is where I come from. My bias, 
but I, I do see a lot of the the people are hungry to go learn by but I, my impression is that a next generation in a way wants it a little bit easier faster it's an easy, yeah and and with your technology it wasn't it, it, yeah. it's not that easy it wasn't easy so. for you no. but and if it were easy we would be doing it right and i think everybody are trying to go do that but at the end of the day competition will show you is like well there's people who actually have put more effort into mm -hmm. it and they're going to stand out more 100 percent, and, and also like uh don't like oh it's it's expensive loans there are state schools you can go to community college as a matter of fact i will i will pick your resume if you show like you went to your community college you transferred to a state school you have a degree to me it means you actually did the work because you couldn't afford to go to an ivy league school you actually like you worked hard to get where you are and th this is showing a lot about you like to me like this resume will stand out versus like oh i took you know two week class like boot camps are great for like just adding more things like i am too lazy to go back to college right now like i want to but i know that i won't so to me that next level up upskilling you know i take maybe a certificate somewhere or maybe i take some courses somewhere um but yeah i and i i, I hear that a lot it's like oh who needs education it's just loans i i'm old-fashioned that way i yeah i thought this episode i were this episode is going to be like a bunch of uh with all due respect here, a bunch of like old grumpy people. And it's maybe how we're sounding. I wonder what people think about that. I don't know. I don't know. Listen, what, I have uh, how, uh, how are you? I'm hip. I have oh, Cardi B on my Instagram. <laughs> how, what camp are you in, Tim? Uh, I'm in the camp of be humble, be learning. And uh, I, I, I resonate with a lot of what you're saying, Veronica. I, I think that one of the, the questions that I have, you know, is what's what's the advice that we should be giving to the new generation right like imagine imagine that uh you know i'm an analytics engineer right and i've got two years of experience and i've worked at one startup or something like that right and 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 i don't know what i don't know but i know that i love data and i want to be in the world of data what should i be doing now like what 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 next for me right yeah um so how i learned when i first started I literally, I log into forums where people ask questions and it, it could be anything, pick your own. And I read questions and I read all the answers. So you will easily be able to sort through like who's attacking whom and which don't just read the one that's like marked as an answer, read everything. I learned a ton that way. As a matter of fact, again, be skeptical. I am just naturally skeptical. When you read reviews, say on Amazon, do you read five stars or one star? Is that that's a great question. I I, 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 I I read both. I like to go see everybody who's who is raving about it. But I'm like, wait, there's people who said one one star. Like, I'm curious what they had to yeah. go say. Yeah. I actually read two, three, four. Oh. So I think five and one are outliers. Somebody's really very very pissed about something, and it's very biased. Or like somebody like when you read people that are like, okay, I dig this, but I have a problem. And then I'm like, okay, does this problem bother me? And I'll give you an example in shoes. I love shoes. So uh, slight obsession, you probably see. Um, if I read, they're like, oh, well, um, I, had, I had to spend a month to break them in, but they're amazing now. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, so they look nice. Do I have enough patience to have blisters for a little bit? 
but then I have these awesome shoes. And sometimes I'm like, nah, I'm too old. <laughs> I, I, I just need comfort right now at this point. Or I'll be like, okay, cool. Because because otherwise you'll be like, I love the shoes. Or like, I hate them. They're uncomfortable, right? Like remove the outliers, read everything else, and then decide kind of like what's important. And you also see patterns because there are very similar questions being asked and, and very similar patterns being answered. So that's how I learned. I love user groups. Huge fan of user groups. I think. Um, Can you call out some of the ones that you like? That um, you recommend? Well, I, again, I'm I'm into Snowflake, so I love Snowflake user groups. I think there some of them get pretty detailed. Um, and and if, by the way, if you ever want to know anything about Data Vault, I'll let me know. There's there's a few user groups. Um, what else? Which other user groups? There's, there's so many Slack communities out there. Which there's one? Slack communities. I think there's a lot of noise and stuff. There's a lot of noise. Which are, Let's 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 keep on the positive side. Here. Yeah. Which are the so, ones that you recommend? Okay. To join? So here's the deal. I I am part of all of them, <laughs> and I read them anyway. I don't necessarily participate. I, um, I became a lurker. I love to read. I I was actually listening to podcast on the way here. Um, so it, when I have like a free moment, I like I stop working, make dinner, we eat, and then I transition into family room, and then I either read something or I write something. It's just it doesn't stop. I I, I mean I'm like a learning junkie. Um, so be part of communities, read them, take them with a grain of salt. I think these communities are very biased, kind of like my Instagram feed. Um, so they're clicks of people, but I think it's still very interesting. Like it's still very interesting what people are talking yeah. about. So even if you see the clicks and you're like, oh, you learn from those. Like, oh, here's the same yeah. people talking about the same thing, and then that should that should generate some curiosity. Like, why is learn that? more about it? Right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's how like modern data stack happened to me. I joined locally optimistic. Yeah, and I was like, whoa, okay, let's now sort through the noise and figure out what is actually important to me that helps me solve the problem for my current company. Right, like this is the problems we're facing. How can I take some of that knowledge and not be like a fan girl of some craziness, so right. I can actually sort through it? Yeah. No, that that's interesting, and uh, I think one of my uh, observations here is that you can you can join a lot of these communities, you can absorb kind of what's happening there. That also doesn't necessarily mean you have to feed directly into the religion, right? Like like for example, I know I'm part of the data mesh learning group, right? And you learn a ton there, right? And there's a ton of excitement around data mesh, but you don't necessarily have to prescribe to everything. You can absorb it. You can see what people are talking about and and, and agree with the things you agree with, and you can disagree with the things you don't agree with, or or just lurk, right? And we talked about these learning from the past, right? Like I, I've seen, I've been kind of like, so like these um, Slack groups are old new. They're like, not, nothing old exists. You're old. You're outdated. I, I've I've been. I grew up with the old, and and I'm like, but learn from the history. It's like when you take parts that make sense that still work and put it together, right? That's when magic happens. It's not one or the other. Like you really have to mesh together. And the, the younger, you know, kind of like hip crowd, they they're like, oh, you're old, right? Like you know, Billy Inman still still saying the same thing he's been saying for the past forty years, but it's true. Bill, Bill is. Uh, I want to be Bill when I grow up. I'm just gonna come out right here on this podcast and say that I want to be Bill when I. I grow think up. everybody wants to be yeah. Bill when he grows up. Uh, when we grow up, this is, uh, yeah, he is. Uh, he is our hero. He I is. He's a. Uh, yeah. I, I think in going to the history, one of the things I always, 
I caution. I'm like, look, th- just because it's old doesn't mean that's bad. I mean, the, we have to think about the principles, the foundations of things, and the names change, right? But it, but the foundations, the principles behind it are, this, are, are, are the same. Sometimes they do change because we learn something. I mean, this happens in physics. It happens in all the other science. And, and it, but if we look at computing, we're just 50 years old as as an area here. Like this stuff is like super, super new. And and and, and if, go, go compare accounting, go compare uh, and all the all the different areas of engineering. Like this thing's been for yeah. thousands and thousands of years. Things have changed here. Like we really we can't expect that what is new, what we're doing today is the latest, greatest, the most amazing thing. Because guess what? What you're doing today was probably it's like we've already been thinking about it, talking about it for decades Done, tried, and decades failed. yeah in, the com- on the shoulders of giants right this is the, exactly right Bill, we build on the shoulders of giants and let's not diminish those giants behind us and push forward like don't reinvent the wheel it's not fun it's it just why waste of time people like to reinvent things because it's like they oh, think it's, theirs it's, is it's, better yeah yeah but yeah. you add new terms to it right like the data umbrella or the data well, uh, data ocean, right? I, I I was going with the Nemo theme, just so you know, in my <laughs> post. <laughs> As I, I, I call it, it's not the the, the, the mean data street yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's an ocean yeah. now over there, right? I, I started laughing randomly. My husband looked at me like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I'm going with the Nemo thing. He's like, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> wait, I, I, there, there's so much more to talk about here. Um, but one thing that, uh, that we haven't actually touched, just to wrap up before we go to our lightning round, uh, we talked about the young generation. We haven't actually defined what young generation means. How how, how what are what are we defining as a young generation? I, I want to consider myself young. <laughs> I think people who have never touched anything that's not modern day stuck. I think that's how we define it. So, the past ten years, less than ten years experience, less than ten years in the business. I would. When did when when would we when can we state that the modern data stack as a term became that term? I kind of like, or maybe I'm actually four years ago, or maybe data like maybe that's what I'm thinking like 2010 when data lake was I don't know I don't know I don't know Tim what do you what 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 do you think? Uh, This is tough. I want to say like uh, maybe even 10 years of experience is too big. It's like. You, you, you've really come into your own in the data world, like in the last five to six years, I would okay. say, right? Because like Data Lake, Data Bricks, that became very big in like 2018 kind of time frame, right? So it's kind of like from there forward, feels like this is like the modern data era, right? Let's do a little bit of history here. So, so let's go. So I like to always go back to the beginning of the web, right? So Tim Berners-Lee comes up with the web. I wasn't born back then. No, no, the web, not the internet, the web. So Tim, Tim Berners-Lee comes up with the web in 1989, right? And the web just booms around 90, 91, right? With Mosaic, right? Netscape, all this stuff. And my argument, kind of the way I interpret history here is that the, the way the web grows is because of e-commerce, right? Right? You have uh, uh, things like eBay and right? Amazon is trying to go sell, so selling things, mm-hmm. right? So... Before that, you already had database management systems, right? There are OLTP, mm-hmm. and then the web is a driver to say, "Oh, we need to start analyzing all these things that people are buying." So that's a big kind of push for OLAP and getting into data, pushing more data warehouses. Data warehouses have been doing before, but that was mm-hmm. a big push for that. 
So I think there's an era like oh, if we've been working with data warehouses, the, the, like in the, in the mid '90s and stuff. Then I would argue the in the mid 2000s, the web gets even bigger and bigger, and Google pushes their whole um, we have so much data, and they do uh, a big table, and then MapReduce, and then oh, we have so much data that does, that we have to go, uh, that, that we can't have schemas, and we go to NoSQL, and the first one is Amazon doing it with DynamoDB. So then you have another era of people who, grow, who are growing up in the NoSQL, in the beginning of NoSQL. So I think this is like 2009, I would say, right? right? In the Hadoop, data lake, right? right? Like the, and then the Hadoop, Hadoop era, MapReduce era is around, again, sorry, like mm -hmm. it's, I think the, the, the Google paper and the Dynamo paper is around 2007, I think. So then you have that other era. Like, when does Cloudera come around? I think it's that time. So that's another era. And then... That's almost like another phase it, of this, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's generation because if you grew up... If, basically, if you use Cloudera, worked at Cloudera, like stuff like, you're not new no, generation you're anymore. Old yeah, you're an old-timer at that point, yeah, right? But that's just... Older. That's 13 years ago, yeah. right? So then... You're then, right. So then, then, then we go... I think in the past, maybe five, six yeah, years. So then we, then yeah, so then we start... like. I, re I remember being at the Sigmod conference, the, the, the database conference, uh, the academic data conference in San Francisco. I think that was 2015. And Snowflake was presenting an academic paper in the industry track at yes. Snowflake. And I was there. I remember being at that presentation. I'm like, what is this thing? Another thing. And then separating cloud and compute. And I'm like, so this was, I think this was 2015. And Snowflake mm -hmm. wasn't a thing yet. So, so. And then Databricks hadn't mm -hmm. come out yet, right? right. This was so, anyways, I'm just trying to come up to the yeah, point. Like, you, you the the like, snowflake is after, definitely after 2015. Like -ish. So um, 2018. Let's do, yes, 17, 18. Yeah. 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 Okay. Anyways. Let's roll with it. So if you are uh, in data after 2017, 2018, then you're the new generation. Can we also say if you haven't touched a, a, like an old timer, I'd like, Cloudera, Hadoop, Oracle, SQL Server, then you're also younger generation. Oh, um, have you actually installed a, a SQL Server on your on your laptop or? or <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> sit down. Have you have you actually touched like a real database? Have you worked with a real database? Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I probably just offended like both sides of the new and the old generation. What is a real database? What mean? is a real? <laughs> Funny how how there's a whole generation of people who don't really know some of these more traditional technologies. I mean, a lot of them are still alive and well, right? I mean, like Microsoft, oh, yeah. like SSIS, SSAS, SSRS, right? And then oh, sometimes man. people hear that and they say, "What did you just yeah. say?" How many access databases have you been working yeah, on? Yeah, how many access databases does it take to? Uh... <laughs> okay, uh, we can keep going and actually. We're going to keep going after this because uh, we're here in Boston at an honest no BS dinner that we're setting up. Next week, we're going to be in Atlanta, if you're listening. I know we already had some listeners who reached out who are going to come to our dinner next week or in two weeks in Atlanta. But all right, lightning round presented by Data.World. Let's go. I go first. Here we go. We just came up with these questions. All right. Well, I. All right. So here we go first. A, a person with 10 years of career experience. Would you rather have a person on your data team with two years of experience at five different companies or 10 years of experience at one company? Definitely 10 years at one company, two years with five companies that people, that person's either contractor, which is then is probably okay. Or if that person is just jumping jobs, not being there long enough, I would probably be a little bit concerned. Love it. 
right. Second question. Is a college bachelor's degree overkill for working in data? I already answered that, but no, not to me. I think college bachelor's degree tells me a lot about you as a person. All right. You took a shot at influencers. Is there a way to be an influencer while also representing your experience properly, humbly? Well, it depends on your definition of an influencer. I, I Okay, so de <laughs> define it. Let's go ahead and define it. I, I just, I feel like anybody who posts anything anywhere is an influencer now. I, I think I have a, to me, you are, um, I respect you and I love to read your stuff when you have um, content that's useful, not just random, you know, hand wavy stuff. And when, you know, the more I learn about the subject and I see that, yeah, you truly know what you're talking about. Um, I have a very like high pedestal for people that I kind of like follow and, and listen to. Uh, but in general, I also love reading random crazy stuff. So. <laughs> I had lunch with a friend today and then he, we had a little mm -hmm. kind of mind melding and I posted a video on LinkedIn. Which I, so now I'm like, I wonder what, are you going to call I, me out on something? We'll see. We'll talk about I, that I later. Just, I, I hate, I hate influencer. Like I just, it's it just, to me, it's just such a, like a, oh, I'm posting on social media. I'm an influencer. I like, I, I don't, it doesn't speak about experience, you know, people who like, talk about stuff that's important that I'm learning from that give me interesting ideas that like those are the people that I follow. Um, All right, Tim, yeah. take us away with your final with the final question. My final uh, uh, lightning round question here. Actually, I'm going to break the yes, no mold and I'm going to say, what is the most under the radar skill in data? Um, Under the radar, asking, oh, explaining hard subjects in a way that um, I would say a normal person can understand because I think of us as aliens a little bit, but trying to distill complex problems in a way that, you know, your grandma can understand, right? So I think that's such an underrated skill and we don't help people get better at it. We're like, again, super sharp, very smart, but we can only talk to people that are like us. We, we have a hard time talking to people who aren't like us. Yeah, don't just speak alien language. You have to speak <laughs> human language too. I think well, sometimes like I, I talk and people like look at me like, um, no idea. <laughs> Love it, this is great. All right, Tim, let's take away time. Take us let's away. take it away and then y'all can have your delicious dinner. Um, all right, so um, so much good content today. Thank you so much, Veronica, for joining us today. Um, so we really started off by saying that, you know, there's so much online that you can learn, that you can absorb. The information is at people's fingertips. Young people, the new generation, and we, we tried to define that later, um, you know, they have all this access to all this stuff. It's, it's so exciting, but at the same time, also, it creates an environment where, it can be hard to know what to trust. There's so much out there. There's so many people out there saying so many things. Um, and you talked about your perspective to really have um, a good understanding of what is true, what is right, ha build your perspective. And that was a position of skepticism, right? Kind of taking a scientist's approach to looking at the knowledge that's out there, the people that are out there, 
keep researching. Don't just over-index on the influencer. Some suggestions may be right, but some are not right. And some of them are even impossible. Um, and you need to look past just kind of what the words are that are out there, just the things that get the most likes, and really think about contextually, what is the right information to solve the right problem? And really, you were encouraging that uh, folks who are newcomers that are trying to learn, share your thoughts, be comfortable, um, you know, but also this importance of engaging in debate and being skeptical and letting that kind of be out there. Uh, you mentioned a couple of things that are overhyped or, you know, don't have enough skepticism around them. And one of them was the tool that will solve all your problems. I loved your example where you said, um, uh, well, if let's say you have to get around, you need to get around. Oh, well, a car. Give that person a car. Well, what if the person you were talking about was a child? Are you going to give the child the car? No, that doesn't fit. It doesn't make sense, right? But you said give them a car. That's a th solution that solves everything. Oh, well, maybe it doesn't. Maybe that tool doesn't solve everything. Um, the second thing you mentioned was the idea that data modeling is dead. It's not dead. Maybe it's hard, but you know, DBT, for example, is modeling. Uh, and the third one was around AI and the idea that it's some kind of magic bullet. We know that that's going to accelerate now with, uh, you know, all the excitement around GPT and things like that. There's a lot of good that can come from that, but also a lot of misunderstanding, certainly, that will be perpetuated. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a competition that happens in the social sphere. And so you have to understand people's motivation. What are their biases? This is where psychology comes in. And even as vendors, right? So, you know, uh, Juan and I, we work over at Data.World. We have to be aware of our vendor biases as well. Juan, what about you? Well, a couple of things, but I, I do want to look at our notes. I think you said DBT is not is mod not model. a model. Really clarifying that. Oh, also, not modeling. Okay. Yeah, DBT is not model. DBT is really transformation. Right? Yeah. No, that's for, so. yeah. No. No. Uh, but but Juan, I'm sorry, I, I'm interrupting you. Um, Tim, so who needs Chat GPT when you have Tim to summarize? Uh, can I, you know? borrow you and use you to summarize my thoughts <laughs> we are working on juan and tim bot coming soon yeah. to a uh, chat plugin near you the tim, Ooh, the tim juan bot the tim juan bot so keep going because we, we talk about experience like what do we mean by experience so hey i've implemented 50 customers is one thing versus i've supported the 50 customers that you've implemented right so we really need to know where people are coming from and that's how we get uh, be humble around that right experience is really contextual and i really love your story about how you started out saying hey I work in SQL Server and I can really optimize, make these super fast queries, but we don't need to go to the cloud. But then you actually realize and learn, it's like, oh wait, there's actually, this is actually valuable. And actually the way the vendors plan is the wrong way. We actually came up with a better way, right? This is the context that we have. Um, be skeptical, honest, no BS, be skeptical about those big tech fan uh, company experiences because uh, they have a Lamborghini truck that <laughs> you can stick in your garage and take pictures with because Guess what? Is that what you really need? Probably not. Uh, quick, quick turnaround into the streaming, right? Is streaming versus no streaming? Like, yeah, the, the thirst for quicker, for quick data, fast data, it's coming. People really want real-time analytics. They want it embedded into real-time applications. However, not everybody needs it right now, but it's coming. Um, I'd really like the, the the mix of the teams. Are you 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 were I mean even in the lightning round question you said that you prefer that the the, the team mix that you met that you that you would like that. You want people who actually know about the operations, who know how to go build a tool and how to maintain that. And sadly, honest, no BS here, if you come from the big tech, you know how to use a tool that was created to go solve a big problem. But you have you actually didn't build it because the person who built it is probably not there anymore. We spent a lot of time talking about education. And again, very honest, no BS precision right now. Bachelors, yes, that's needed. Does it really matter in what? I mean, the, you can put a boot camp on top of that. Uh, and I think with people who argue, who argue that 
a four-year education is hard to get like you your position is like no actually it's not hard i mean you have to go work for it but it's actually not hard and it's actually completely worth it because why why if you got two resumes you got a pile of 200 resumes guess who's going to stand out if you just have a boot camp you're not going to stand out i'm sorry but that's the honest no bs right there um advice like the as, as tim posted posed the question is you're hungry you like this data thing you're in here for two years like what should you go do yeah, get into the forums, get into the user groups, online communities, go read all the comments, uh, uh, see the ones you agree with and all the, also the ones you don't agree with, right? You talked about the Snowflake user vault. You're a big data vault uh, uh, practitioner and there's data vault user communities, so many Slack communities, right? Even though just it's fine, just go lurk, consume. Uh, and actually got, my side comment is like a lot of the conversations happening happen on privately on the DMs, right? Um, I love your analogy on the, the five-star ratings, right? Do you read the... I said I read the five star and the one star, and he was like, no, you should be reading the two and the three, four star, right? That's where the nuances are. Find those patterns right there. Uh, and then what do we what do we what do we define as the young generation? Right? It's you've only interacted with the modern data stack, and then per our little history kind of like that we're going through, it's like that means that you've been around for the last kind of six years since 2017, 2018. If you've used Hadoop, Big Data, NoSQL, Cloudera, you're you're not you're not young anymore over there. And I think a, there's a lot of awesome quotes that we have that we put on T-shirts. One of my favorite ones is, "I want to be Bill Inman when I grow up." I, I think one. Yes. I think the overall takeaway, the takeaway of takeaways here is: be humble, learn, ask questions, be skeptical. Great summary. So How did we do? What did we miss? Amazing. I, I won the team one bot. All right. <laughs> Uh, back to you. Three final questions. What's your advice about data life? Second, who should who should we invite next? And third, what are the resources you followed? Even you, you already said many, but yeah. So, data. Uh, don't go into data just for the money. It, it's it's a tough field. You always have to learn. Make sure you actually like it. If you like it, you'll have a very long and fulfilling career. So I talk about a lot of people that go. Oh, it's money. Don't just go into it for money. It's 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 not easy. Don't think it's easy. Um, what was the second question? Who should we invite next? Oh, so my, I, I was listening to a podcast with Brene Brown. She had Sadal Neely on it, and they were talking about digital mindset. So I am a huge fan right now of Sadal Neely. She's a professor at Harvard Business School. Incredible, incredible smart woman. If you can get her, I, I'd be like listening to it somewhere, cooking or, or, or something. Um, so th there's a lot of things that she said that we can totally resonate and, and um, connect with. And follow, follow me on LinkedIn. I actually, I don't just like everything. I, I, I kind of, I curate what I share. Um, again, my perspective, my bias, but it, at least like I, I kind of try not to be just on the hype of liking everybody. I'm sorry, friends. <laughs> I, I kind of. You're also a big snowflake. You're. you're I, I am a snowflake data superhero for real. It's a true thing. I have a cape to prove it. Um, so if you have any snowflake questions, um, I'm, you know, data modeling is a big thing. I think I think it's very important. So, yeah, follow me on LinkedIn. I blog sometimes, uh, but yeah. All right, Veronica. Thank you so much. Uh, just quick. Uh, next week we have Tony Seal, who's a knowledge graph engineer. We'll be talking about knowledge graphs and large language models. I mean, we have to go get into the AI topic, but this is a really fascinating topic that uh, I'm really excited about. And with that, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me in real life. Yes, in real life.
Yes. Cheers, Tim, and it's dinner time. This is Catalog and Cocktails. A special thanks to Data.World for supporting the show, Carly Berghoff for producing, John Loyans and Brian Jacob for the show music, and thank you to the entire Catalog and Cocktails fan base.